0: Today, we're talking about Mr. Beast suing over his disgusting, revolting, inedible Mr. Beast burgers. Break down the horrifying story around this doomsday mom. You're the government investigating itself and finding out it did it. Why I'm gonna sue Taco Bell. We're gonna talk about all that and so much more in today's brand new Philip DeFranco show. You daily dive into the news, so buckle up, hit that like button, and let's just jump into it. Starting with, Mr. Beast is now suing Mr. Beast Burger, or rather his burger partner, which is an absolutely wild development for something that initially seemed so promising. We you had millions of kids taken to food apps to get some Mr. Beast burger, people saying this is the future. But the situation has obviously now changed. For so for some background, he partnered with a company called Virtual Dining Concepts to get this ghost kitchen operation running. But the thing is, the burgers have been receiving tons and tons of negative reviews, with Mr. Beast claiming the Virtual Dining Concepts ruined the quality of the food and efforts to expand the project. And now Bloomberg reporting that Beast Investments LLC filed a lawsuit alleging breach of contract and asking a federal judge to terminate his business relationship with them. He also had The Verge publishing that lawsuit and fallen in it, Mr. Beast lawyers cited a bunch of reviews that claimed the burgers were disgusting, revolting, inedible. People questioning why would Mr. Beast put his name on such a horrible product, saying that it was the worst burger they had ever had, and noting that over half of the Mr. Beast virtual restaurants have less than two out of five stars. Also, in a separate document that is a whopping 85 pages long, Mr. Beast's team lists examples of negative reviews from platforms like Yelp, Reddit, and YouTube. And there, you also see reviews from big names like Eddie Burback's video titled The Deceptive World of Ghost Kitchen. And in that, it's a great video, I'll link to it down below. He talks about issues with ghost kitchens in general before transitioning to Mr. Beast Burger specifically, mentioning some of the negative reviews they've gotten and then eating a handful of the menu items. This is what the Impossible Beast style burger is supposed to look like. And this looks like if somebody drew a burger for me. How is this real? It looks like a Krabby Patty. This tastes like a cafeteria burger. I was really hoping I would have a positive experience, but all of the ingredients just feel really, really cheap. Man, this is supposed to be a smash burger. What the hell is this? The document also pointing to an H3 pod titled, We Ordered Mr. Beast Burger, and it was a disaster. And that, you see Ethan Klein saying, If you're looking to order a hamburger, this is the last place you should do it. And it wasn't even cheap. 12 bucks for real, Sam? I've never had food delivered to me that looked that bad and saying you know it tasted fine but it certainly wasn't worth the money and it wouldn't satisfy a hungry person's burger craving and so you have the lawsuit claiming that virtual dining concepts has harmed mr beast's reputation and brand also claiming because quality and fan customer satisfaction are paramount above all else for mr beast he expected that his fans would be the recipients of excellent customer service and superior branded food product unfortunately however because virtual dining concepts was more focused on rapidly expanding the business as a way to pitch the virtual restaurant model to other celebrities for its own benefit it was not focused on controlling the quality of the mr beast burger customer experience and products this despite numerous objections by mr beast whose complaints about quality fell on deaf ears the lawsuit also claiming the company repeatedly used mr beast's name image and likeness without approval and so far as of recording this virtual dining concepts has declined to give comment to multiple news outlets but as far as how this legal battle is going to play out we're going to keep our eyes on it though i gotta pass the question off to you what are your thoughts here? What's your experience been with Mr. Beesberg or really any ghost kitchen? And if you've been buying for a while, have you noticed the quality changing? And then we need to talk about the so-called doomsday mom, Lori Vallow Daybell. Right, she's this 50-year-old Idaho mom whose life took a strange turn in 2018. Because that's reportedly when she met Chad Daybell, a self-published author of doomsday fiction loosely based on Mormon teachings. And he seemingly warped her mind with the most insane ideas, not least that she was a goddess sent down to usher in the biblical apocalypse. With a couple since being linked to an entity called preparing a people which aims to ready people for the second coming of Jesus Christ, according to its website. And getting even weirder, Lori's former friend testified that Lori believed that evil spirits can turn people into zombies by taking over their bodies, and that her kids were zombies. And saying that Lori believed that the only way to get rid of the evil spirit was to kill the body. So when two of Lori's kids, 7-year-old JJ and 16-year-old Tylee Ryan, went missing in fall of 2019, people got worried. With a nationwide search for the children being launched, leading investigators to scrutinize other recent deaths, like that of Tammy Daybell, Chad's wife of 30 years who suspiciously died just two weeks before he married Lori, With their death initially thought to be from natural causes, but an autopsy showed that she was asphyxiated. And it was later revealed that Chad had actually bumped up her insurance policy just a month before she died. Then he saw attention focus on the killing of Lori's previous husband, Charles Vallow, earlier that year, with her brother shooting him in that case, but claiming that it was in self defense and then dying apparently of natural causes before he could ever be charged. And so it was starting to look like Lori and Chad somehow orchestrated the killings of their previous spouses and then did something with the kids. And sure enough, when police excavated Chad's yard in the summer of 2020, they found the children's bodies buried, burned, and mutilated. And just like with Tammy's death, The murder of these kids appeared to involve money with the couple collecting social security checks after their deaths. So Lori was charged with multiple counts of murder, but her defense attorney claimed that it was actually her brother and husband who were responsible for the murders. Right, saying it wasn't her and that she just got sucked up into Chad's weird apocalyptic beliefs. Saying that he told her they had actually been married in previous lives. Saying that she was a sexual goddess who was meant to help him save the world by gathering 144,000 followers so Jesus could return. But ultimately, the evidence was overwhelming and Lori was convicted back in May. And the reason we're talking about it now is that her sentence came down yesterday. The victim's family also got a chance to pour out their grief in front of her for the first time. You are a liar, an adulteress, and a murderer. Instead of a good night's sleep, Tammy was brutally executed in her own bed. She was taken from us by murdering thieves. JJ and Tylee could have been with us living happy lives. Instead, she took all that away, all because she is a money-hungry, power-mongering monster. And then, at the very end, Lori gave a 10-minute statement, and it went about as you'd expect. I've had many communications with Jesus Christ, the Savior of this world, and our heavenly parents. I've had many angelic visitors have come and communicated with me and even manifested themselves to me. Because of these communications, I know for a fact that my children are happy and busy in the spirit world. Now with the sentencing, there was some debate about whether her mental health was a mitigating factor, with a diagnosis from back in February stating that she suffers from delusional disorder and hyper-religiosity and an unspecified personality disorder with histrionic and narcissistic features. But the judge here said her crimes were so severe that it didn't matter, and he gave her three consecutive life sentences without parole. And as far as Chad, he's currently awaiting trial on the same murder charges, and this is the so-called doomsday mom has gotten her own Netflix documentary series and a Lifetime movie. And then, for any of you focusing on getting your business off the ground, creating a place to share your homemade goods, or even a personal blog, I got a great solution for you. And it comes from, and I want to thank the fantastic sponsor of today's show, Squarespace. You know, I've been partnering with Squarespace for years now, and I have to say, it's so easy. There's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade, ever. And creating a beautiful website with Squarespace's Fluid Engine is so easy. You just drag things where you like, no coding necessary. And if you need a starting point, Squarespace has a bunch of great professional templates. Also, with an online shop from Squarespace, you can sell virtually anything, physical, digital, or service products. You can even sell custom merch easily. Squarespace handles all the production and shipping. Plus, with Squarespace, you get access to all their marketing tools and analytics and their award-winning customer care team via email or live chat 24-7. So go check it out, see why so many others love it, see why you're gonna love it, and start your free trial today over at squarespace.com slash phil. And when you realize you love it, just make sure you enter an offer code phil to get 10% off your first purchase. And then, Taco Bell is now getting sued by a man in New York because el hombre quería Taco Bell, pero ellos le dieron muy poca carne. Or to put it another way, he felt like your mother, like she wasn't getting the meat that she needed. With this man filing a class-action lawsuit against Taco Bell, while accusing them of false advertising, saying that the company overstates the amount of meat or filling in many of their menu items, including the Crunchwrap Supreme by at least double. The lawsuit also saying that the company's actions are especially problematic given the rising cost due to inflation and reading. Taco Bell advertises larger portions of food to steer consumers to their restaurants for their meals and away from competitors that more fairly advertise the size of their menu items, unfairly diverting millions of dollars in sales that would have gone to competitors. And the suit is looking for the court to prevent Taco Bell from selling the items until the advertising is corrected, as well as to provide compensation for anyone who purchased one of the affected items on or before July. July 31st of 2020. Now, as of recording, Taco Bell has yet to release a comment, but what also feels important to know is this is just the latest in a string of lawsuits regarding fast food restaurants' claims regarding their menu items, with Wendy's, McDonald's, and Burger King all being sued last year over the size of their cheeseburgers, along with Buffalo Wild Wings being sued over their boneless wings being made with breast meat instead of actual wing meat. And all of that in addition to the lawsuit I'm gonna file against Taco Bell, because I was an emotional eater last week, and I have had Taco Bell pretty much every night, my body is not used to those sodium levels anymore, and I have, like, I think I've jumped up seven pounds in a week of, like, the. Mo- most bloated man in a 10-mile radius. And it's also somehow Taco Bell's fault that I use eight fire packets on a single burrito. And then, the government just investigated itself for a crime it reportedly didn't even know it committed. So back in April, the Times reported that a contractor had purchased and deployed a hacking tool made by the controversial Israeli hacking firm, NSO, for use by the U.S. government. With that being a geolocation tool that can covertly track mobile phones around the world without the phone user's knowledge or consent. And according to the contract, the government could test, evaluate, and even deploy it against targets of its choosing in Mexico. Which would be alarming enough, but to make matters worse, the Biden administration had put NSO on a commerce department blacklist just five days earlier, declaring the firm whose hacking tools had been used by governments to spy on political dissidents, journalists and activists, and national security threat. Now in response to the Times' report, the White House was like, what? We've never heard of this contract until now. So it tasked the FBI with finding out which agency bought it. And now the Bureau has come back with the answer itself. Right, this is like if my wife came to me and she was like, we got to find out who ate the last of the donuts. And I'm like, yeah, we definitely do. Ooh. Right on it. Right, because the FBI reportedly hired the contractor to track suspected drug smugglers and fugitives in Mexico. the Bureau also claimed that it was unaware the firm was using the spyware instead, believing it was relying on in-house tools. With officials saying that once the FBI discovered in late April that the contractor had used the spying tool on its behalf, Director Christopher Wray terminated the contract. But with this, some unanswered questions include, why did the FBI hire this contractor, which has been authorized by the Bureau to purchase a different NSO tool for intel gathering in the past? Or why was there apparently so little oversight on this company's operations? Or perhaps most urgent, have other government agencies worked with this contractor? And that last question is very important because sources told the Times that cell phone numbers in Mexico were targeted in 2023 far longer than the FBI claims a spyware was used. So I don't know guys, I'm starting to think maybe we can't trust every aspect of the government and or FBI. Something fishy might be going on. Hear me out. I know it sounds crazy. you thinking I'm Looney Tunes. This apparently is what sarcasm sounds like in my brain. Anyway, while we wait to find out more, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this story. And then, virtual healthcare very much seems to be the future, but the question is, at what cost with a big part of that question focusing on privacy. Right? And that's because Amazon announced today that they're adding video visits to their virtual healthcare clinic nationwide after it was delayed last month. Which, if you didn't know, they actually launched the Amazon Clinic last fall as a way for users to connect with healthcare providers about common conditions like sinus infections or pink eye. And so as of today, users in all 50 states and Washington, D.C. can access Amazon Clinic via video visits, and in 34 states, users can access text message consultation. And it's also important to note here that it's not actually Amazon that's providing the telemedicine. Instead, they just created the platform and partnered with telemedicine providers like Hello Alpha and SteadyMD. While they don't accept insurance, the average cost of a video visit is only $75, which is largely cheaper than many in-person doctor's appointments, so it's easy to see the appeal. However, like was hinted, there are some serious privacy concerns. Back in June, Senators Peter Welch and Elizabeth Warren sent a letter to Amazon CEO Andy Jassy regarding reporting that in order to use the service, users had to agree to give Amazon complete access to their consumer health information. And customers have to agree that Amazon may share their data and that data is no longer protected by HIPAA. So in the letter, the Senators asked Amazon to detail whether personal data is being used to promote sell Amazon products and services, as well as asking them to be more transparent about their data practices, with Welch saying in a statement to Politico, Amazon is asking patients to turn over a ton of personal data to use their services. It can't be that big tech companies can ask for a treasure trove of personal information to let you use their services, but face no accountability for what they'll do with it. And then in response to that letter, Amazon said that they do comply with HIPAA and all other laws and regulations regarding healthcare, as well as claiming that they share the data with healthcare providers to ensure the patient gets the necessary care. Then, a week after that letter was sent, Amazon delayed the video expansion of its virtual care service. So they denied, that this was connected. However, Politico reported that they actually received an email detailing that the pause on the launch was due to the concerns raised by Welch and Warren. And in a joint statement after the delay, the senator said that they hoped this is quote, a sign that Amazon has taken our concerns about data collection and use practices seriously. Though now, the launch has arrived and very few questions have been answered, which is also why we should expect more questions to now be thrown their way. And that is where today's daily dive into the news is gonna end, but for more news you need to know, you can click or tap right here, or I got those links in the description down below. And of course, as always, my name's Philip DeFranco. You've just been filled in. I I love yo' faces, and I'll see you right back here tomorrow.